today. I am excited. We are going to be beginning a brand new, uh, what we're going to call a summer series, and we're going to kind of work through this series uh, over the next eight weeks and kind of carry us through the summer months. But we're going to talk uh, today as we kind of lay a foundation for this series on the power of why. The power of why. And we're going to see some really exciting things about that little three-letter word why and how significant that that why really is uh, in our personal lives but in our corporate lives as we connect to the body of Christ and to the vision of God for our church. So look at that first point on your outline, and let's just kind of jump right into this thing. So the the power of why. The why is the most powerful part of every decision, every action, every plan, or every vision. The what and the how are always subject to the why. Right? How many of you understand it's not just what you do, but it's why you do that really matters? God actually checks the motives of our heart. Our heart motive matters to God. When you think about how you live your life and you think about how important that why is, the why is the most powerful part. Why I'm doing what I'm doing is actually more important than what I'm doing. Because we've all seen people do the right thing for the wrong reason, right? We've all seen people say the right thing with an alternative motive. We've all seen people make the right choices, but they had a hidden agenda. Because the reality is simply this. The Bible says that God tests and God tries the hearts of men. God doesn't look on the outside. God looks on the inside. And the reality is, is that the why is really the most important part of every decision. Why we do what we do is really the most important part of every decision, every action, and ultimately, as we're going to talk about, every vision. Because what we want to kind of dive into through this series is we want to kind of dive into the vision that God has given us as a local church and how that vision really brings clarity to God's vision for your personal life. So look at that next point. Uh, Actually, let's look at our scripture together. I almost jumped right by something really, really important, right? John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, right? We all know John 3, 16. I'm going to quote it to you out of the King James. That's how I learned it. Uh, It's NLT on the screen, right? But for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Why is John 3, 16 and 17 so important? It's so important because it's the why that drove and motivated Jesus Christ. Why did Jesus come? Because God so loved the world. Why did Jesus die? Because God so loved the world. Why did Jesus heal? Because God so loved the world. Why did Jesus feed the hungry and clothe the naked? Because God so loved the world. Why did Jesus cast out demons? Because God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son into the world that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Christ would be saved. Everything that Jesus did, he did in relationship to the why that drove him and motivated him. He knew why he was born. He knew why he was doing what he was doing. And his life was not random or sporadic. His life was purpose-driven because he was motivated by a holy why that compelled him to do everything that he did. And that why is significant. 
If you even think about now the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ right now the Bible says is seated in heaven at the right hand of God the Father where he now ever lives to intercede for me and you. Why is he interceding for me and you? Because God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Christ would be saved. Everything that Jesus is doing even now in eternity is motivated and driven by the why he came in the first place. And that's huge. Because the why brings clarity. The why brings understanding. The why empowers us to live the life that God has called us to live. And what we've got to begin to understand is the what we do and how we do things is always subjected to the why. Another way to say it is simply like this in Christian community in our churches, the message never changes, but the methods have to change. Right? The message never changed. The why. Why do we do what we do? Because Jesus Christ came, suffered, bled, and died. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Why do we do what we do? Because the message of the gospel never changes, but our methods change. The way we do church in 2019 is a little different than the way we did it 50 years ago. 50 years ago, I couldn't stand in a pulpit with blue jeans and a shirt on. That would have been inappropriate. But guess what? We hadn't changed the message. But we have to change the methods. Why? Because we now live in a culture where there's new opportunities and there's new technology and there's new uh, venues that God is opening up for the gospel to go into all the world. And we are reaching people on planet earth today through technology that 50 years ago you couldn't reach. And if we weren't willing to change the what and the how, then we would have to abandon the why. See, it's the why that drives us. It's the why that compels us. It is the why that is the foundation stone upon which we build and do everything that we do in our lives. And here's the problem. If you forget why you do what you do, you'll get frustrated. If you forget why you do what you do, you'll get discouraged. If you forget why you do what you do, you'll get off track, you'll get deceived, you'll get distracted, and you'll end up living your life for a what that no longer has a why. And you'll go through the motions. So many people are going through the motions. Married people. How many married folks in the house? Y'all don't look so reluctant to raise your hands. Like, that's like. If you forget why you got married, what you do to stay married will become boring. It will become difficult. It will become laborious, it will become joyless, and it will become painful. If you forget why you got married, what you do to stay married will become a burden. It's the why that gives life to everything. It's the why that keeps you doing the right things for the right reasons. Why? Why did we have kids? That's a good question. <laughs> If you forget why, if you forget why, the what you have to do to raise those kids will become a burden if you forget why. Why in the world did we start a church? Why did we launch another campus? Why did we enlarge our overhead? Why did we all of a sudden bring on more responsibility and more people and more challenges and more difficulties and more and more and more? If you forget why, 
then the what that you have to do to sustain it becomes a burden you bear. But if you can consistently remember why you do what you do, it's the why that empowers me and you to stay the course and enjoy the journey, and it brings clarity to our lives. Have you ever saw somebody make a decision, and you were looking from the outside, and they made a decision, and you thought that's the dumbest decision I've ever seen anybody make? You ever done that? I know y'all don't judge people like that, but, you know, I knew a guy one time that did that. Sometimes we stand on the outside, we look at the decisions and choices people are making, and we're thinking, that is the dumbest decision that I've ever seen anybody make. And then, have you ever done this? Have you ever, because maybe you're in a relationship with that person, you ended up talking to them, and they ended up explaining to you why they did what they did, and all of a sudden it made sense. And they went from being the dumbest person that you knew to being the smartest person that you knew, all because you understood the why. Without all the information, without the backstory, without the insight, without the forevision of what was going on to that decision-making process, you looked at their decision at what they did, and you thought that's the dumbest thing anybody could do until you understood why they did it, and all of a sudden it made sense. See, the why is so critical. It brings such clarity to our lives. It drives us, it compels us, and it gives us something that we can build our lives on that will continue to reciprocate the joy in the life that Jesus Christ intends us to have. So look at that next part. So the why right there, it's already on the screen. The why is the belief. It is the reason behind the vision. It is literally the heartbeat of every great thing. If you think about that, every great thing that has ever been accomplished has been accomplished because somebody believes something. Every great vision is driven by a why. And the why is the belief or the reason for the vision. Every decision is driven by a why. Every plan is driven by a why. And it's the why that compels us. It's the heartbeat. And we got Dr. Dean in here, and I picked on Dr. Youngblood. He was in our earlier service. I'll just pick on our doctors today. I do not know if this is medically true or accurate at all. I'm just going to speak from my experience, okay? Have you ever noticed when you go to the doctor, you walk in there with a broke toe, and the first thing they do is get their stethoscope out and listen to your heart? And they're listening to your heart, and you're like, it's my toe. Well, let me see. Oh, you got an earache. Well, let me see. You got a stomachache. Well, let me see. Isn't it interesting that the first thing they do, no matter what your problem is, is they listen to your heart? And as I was thinking about that this morning, again, I don't know if this is medically true or not. I don't even really want to know. I'm, I'm kind of happy feeling like I'm right, so <laughs> don't tell me. <laughs> but I do know what the Holy Spirit told me this morning. He said, Keith, he said, the reason they listen to your heart first is because if you got a broke toe, that's bad. But if your heart's messed up, that's worse. We better check the main thing as the first thing, because if the main thing ain't right, the big toe ain't your problem. The heartbeat is what matters most, and the why is the heartbeat. The why of every vision and every decision is the heartbeat of your life. And this is what I believe God wants to do through this series. I believe God wants to attune us to His heartbeat. I believe He wants us to hear the heartbeat that He has for our church. But I believe as we hear the heartbeat of God for our church, that it also allows us to have clarity to hear the heartbeat of God for our individual lives. 
Because this is what I believe about vision. I believe that every God vision for your life individually connects you to God's vision for the local church. I believe that God's vision for your life individually connects you to God's vision for the local church. Well, Pastor Keith, why do you believe that? Because you're a pastor? No, I believe that because biblically the Bible tells us it is the church that is the vehicle through which God advances His kingdom. Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church is God's idea. The church is God's vehicle. The church is God's living, breathing organism that advances His kingdom. And it is the process through which He has chosen to build the work of the kingdom on planet earth in the hearts and lives of people. And so I believe that God's vision for your life automatically connects you to God's vision for the local church. Because it is the assembly together. The ecclesia is the Greek word. It means to gather together. It is the gathering together of the saints that God has chosen to establish and build His kingdom on planet earth in the hearts and lives of people. And the reason that I know God's vision for your life automatically connects you to God's vision for the local church is because Jesus did not die to build your kingdom. He died to build His kingdom. Jesus did not die to establish your will. He died to establish God's will on planet earth. And here's what I've recognized over the, over the few years that I've been pastoring. I've recognized that I've seen a lot of people come into the church that didn't have clarity for their personal vision. But they bought into God's vision. And out of that, all of a sudden, when they embraced God's vision for the church, it brought clarity to God's vision for their personal life. And I can't tell you how many ministries have been birthed, how many business ventures, how many opportunities have been launched out into the world because people grabbed hold of God's vision for the church, and all of a sudden it brought clarity for God's personal vision for their life. And so my prayer for all of us over the next eight weeks is that those two things would happen, that we would hear the heartbeat of God for the local church, and as we get clarity and in sync with God's heartbeat for the local church, it would bring clarity to God's heartbeat for your personal life, and we would see that those two visions are not in opposition together, they actually work in unison together to fulfill the kingdom of God and build His kingdom on planet earth. Amen? So I want you to look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 and 2. Because 21 years ago, this coming July, next month, 21 years ago, will be the 21st anniversary of the birth of Liberty Church. July the 5th, 1990, whatever that is, what was it, 1998, there it was, and my mind went totally blank. 21 years ago, my math was not working in my head. We opened the doors to Liberty Church. About six or eight months before that, I was in prayer before God, and as I was in prayer before the Lord, God said this to me in prayer. He said, Keith, I want you to start a new church. And many of you have heard this story, but I told God immediately, uh, get behind me, Satan. Right? That was my first thought. <laughs> this can't be God. Because 21 years ago, I had never read a book on starting a church. I didn't know anybody that had started the church. Everybody that I knew that was in a church was a part of a mainline church, a Baptist church, a Methodist church, Church of Christ, Pentecostal church, Assembly of God church. I didn't know anybody that wasn't a part of a mainline denomination of a church. And 21 years ago, God says, I want you to start a church. And I said, God, why don't we just fill up the churches we got because they're all empty. That was my argument. And God said, 
I want you to start a new church. And I finally came to the point. This is where I came to. I said, okay, God, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. I just need to know one thing, God. I need to know one thing. I need to know why. Why in the world do we need another church? we got a church on every corner. And why in the world do we need another church in Arab, Alabama? I mean, come on, 8,500 people, Lord. Why do we need another church? In 1 Samuel 22, 2, 1 and 2 is where God spoke to me, and he told me why. It says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adalom. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And verse 2 is really where God spoke to me. And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. Let's talk about the why of Liberty Church for just a second. So when I read that verse, you may read that verse and you may think, what in the world does that have to do with starting a church? It probably means nothing to you, but it meant everything to me. Because when I read that verse, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, Keith, here's why. Why do I want to start a new church? Let me tell you why. Because people are distressed, people are indebted, and people are discontented. And this is what he said. If you look on our outline, we're just going to kind of fill it in together. God said, I want you to create a place. Look at this. We're distressed people. And the way that the Holy Spirit interpreted, interpreted distress to me in that moment was he said, people are distressed. He said, they are living under the oppression and the bondage of the enemy, and they are not finding freedom. They're getting saved, but they're not getting set free. They're entering into a relationship with God, but they're not walking in the victory of Christ. And he said, I want to create a place where the distressed are set free, where they're saved, set free, and made whole. I want to create a place where freedom reigns, where the chains of bondage are broken, where the hearts of people are healed, where the oppression of the enemy is cast away, and where people are raised up, healed whole, and made alive through the power of God. I want to create a place like that. And then the second thing, amen, you can give the Lord praise. The second thing that he said, he said his people are indebted, and he interpreted that to me to mean this. And this all happened in about 30 seconds. Y'all know how God speaks, right? He'll download 50 years' worth of stuff in 30 seconds. 30 seconds, he said, to be indebted, this is what he said. He said, people want to serve me, but they're not being trained and equipped to serve me. He said, they are indebted to me. They have a heart and a desire to be a part of my kingdom. They just don't know what to do. They don't know how to use their gifts and their talents in the kingdom of God. And so he said, Keith, I want to create a place where indebted people can be equipped, empowered, and then released into the gifts and callings that I have for them. I want to create a place that really disciples people, not just save you and put you on a pew, but we want to disciple you and we want to train you. And really, let me just be honest with you, we want to release you into the gifts and callings that God has. My greatest heart as a pastor is to see you do what God has called you to do. That gets me out of bed every single day of my life. I want to see people equipped empowered and released into the gifts and callings of God. And one of the reasons that we have planted a Holly Pond campus and one of the reasons that I believe God has called us to have one church, one vision, multiple locations is because he said, Keith, if you're going to continue to equip, empower, and release people, you've got to create a place for those people to step into the gifts and callings that they have. And one building, one church, one location doesn't have enough opportunities for everybody to do what they've been called to do. So we're going to keep creating new places for new people to serve God as they are equipped and they are empowered and they are released. And then last but not least, he said people are discontented, and he interpreted that to me. He just basically said they're fed up with religion. 
They're not looking for another religious ritual. They're not looking for another spiritual hoop to have to jump through. He said, they're looking for something that's real. He said, I want you to create a place for discontented people to meet real people, not religious people. How many of you are glad? I'm so glad. We, we just had an awesome encounter. We had lots of fun. We laughed a lot this weekend. And I'm so glad God's not religious. I'm glad He's righteous. He's righteous. We don't have to be religious, but we are called to be righteous. Right? We're called to righteousness, not religion. And God said, I want you to create a place where discontented people can, can meet real people. They can be a part of a real community, a spiritual family of faith, and then they can come together and make a real difference. They can change the world. Because they're refusing to operate and live life alone, they're going to come together and they're going to make a real difference because they're going to meet real people. I'm just going to tell you something. This is about the realest church I know. We're real and I love it. I love the fact that we can be honest, open, and transparent with each other. I love the fact that if you're struggling, you can say you're struggling. If you're battling, you can say you're battling. I love the fact that you don't have to hide and pretend that you're something you're not. You can come to church. You can come to our ministries. You can be involved in what God is doing here. And you can be real, and you can be honest, and you can be open, and you can be transparent. Because that's the only kind of people God can work with. Right? Phony people can't be used by God you got to be real. And so God said, here's why, Keith. This is why. People are distressed. People are discontented. People are indebted. And I want you to create a place for them. So that's why we're here. Amen? And over the next eight weeks, we're just going to dissect that vision. And we're going to put the stethoscope of the Holy Spirit on the heartbeat of Liberty Church. And again, I believe with all my heart, I believe with all my heart that as you and I hear the heartbeat of God for His church, it's going to bring clarity to the heartbeat of God for your personal life. And you're going to see how God's vision for you and God's vision for the church is one. We are united together for the work of the kingdom. Now let me give you four ways that the why empowers us. I want to just give you some practical stuff today. Four ways the why empowers us. Number one, the why focuses us on the bigger picture. The why focuses us on the bigger picture. One of the things that will happen, the Lord told me this years ago, He said, Keith, if the devil can't stop you, if he can't stop you by getting you to do the wrong thing, then he'll distract you by getting you to do good things. If he can't stop you by getting you to do the wrong thing, sin, then he'll just distract you by getting you to do all these good things. See, the power of the why is the why focus. When you know the reason why you're doing what you're doing, it gives you the ability to say yes and to say no. See, we need some Holy Ghost yes, and we need some Holy Ghost no. And that's what the why does. The why gives you a big picture. I know why I'm doing what I'm doing, and the what I'm doing and the how I'm doing it might change, but the why is the thing that consistently compels me, and it gives me this big picture of what God is calling my life to. I love the, the scripture here out of Luke 9, 51. It says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him, speaking of Jesus, to be received up, literally to go to Jerusalem, to be crucified, and then to be raised from the dead. The Bible says he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. 
There came a moment in the life and ministry of Jesus where he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And when you read the life and ministry of Jesus, you'll find out there were times that people tried to steal him away. Let's make him our king, right? Let's make him our ruler. Let's make him this. Let's make him that. Come with me over here. Come with me over there. And Jesus had a whole bunch of Holy Ghost knows. He said, I'm going to be the king, but I'm not going to be your king right now. There's a bigger picture, right? There's a bigger vision of what I'm going to do. And one day I'll be the king of kings and lord of lords, and I'll set up my throne and rule with a rod of iron. But until then, i got to do what I've been called to do. There's a why. And it's that why that focuses us on the bigger picture. And if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, you'll get constantly distracted by the good things that keep you from doing the God thing. Because let me give you some really awesome truth right now. There's only 24 hours in a day, and you only have enough energy to do a few things, not everything. So if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, you'll waste your time and your energy on the wrong things. And the right thing won't happen. You got to have a why. Look at that next part. The why sustains us through difficult times. The why sustains us. Let me just say that every season of our lives has challenges and difficulties. Every season. And if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, when you get in a hard season and you get in a difficult season and you get in a challenging season, you'll quit. You'll walk away. You'll throw in the towel. I can't tell you how many people, now in 20-something years, 27 years of ministry as a pastor, I can't tell you how many pastors and leaders and key leaders in churches I've seen throw in the towel and walk away. Why? Well, the answer why is because they forgot why. <laughs> They were doing what they were doing. Because if you ever forget why you're doing what you're doing, you'll quit. Because it'll be hard, and it'll be difficult, and it'll be challenging. And I'm just going to tell you, we get this crazy idea that if I'm doing the will of God, everything ought to be easy. If you're doing the will of God, there will be hard times and there will be good times. There will be joyful times and there will be miserable times. There will be times when you're so glad you're doing it, and there will be some times when you think, why in the world am I doing it? And then you've got to remember why in the world you're doing it. I had somebody say to me this past week, they had no clue what I was preaching on today. They said to me this, they said, you know what, Pastor Keith, it just seems like some of the things God has called us to do here at Liberty Church are just hard. <laughs> I mean, we get our hearts broke a lot. We invest in people and then get disappointed with people. And we help people and then they walk away. And we serve people and they forget about you. It's just hard. And they're right. And if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, when it gets hard, you'll quit. I love this scripture in John 12. Jesus, again, look what it says. Jesus says, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Jesus said, I'm deeply troubled. I'm about to walk through some things I don't want to walk through. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be painful. It's actually going to be death. He said, but what am I going to do? Say, God, save me from the very thing that I came to do. I was born to die, Jesus said. 
And it was that why that sustained him, that enabled him to endure the cross, the Bible says, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him at the right hand of the Father. And you got to have a why or you'll quit. Look at that next point. The why empowers us with boldness. The why empowers us with boldness. Acts chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 10. Peter and John have been brought in before the council. They just healed a crippled man, and now they're being questioned why they healed this crippled man. And look what Peter says. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. And the man you crucified, Jesus, is the man whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the Scriptures where it says, The stone that you builders rejected has now become the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which man, by which we must be saved. And look at verse 13, and the, member of the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. When you know why you're doing what you're doing, you can be bold. It will empower you with a Holy Ghost boldness to stand in the face of adversity and declare that my God is able and Jesus is the one. And the one you crucified is the one God raised from the dead. And he's the reason this man that was lame is now healed because he's a healer and he's a redeemer and he's a rescuer. 21 years ago when we started Liberty Church, for probably the first five years that we were a church, I never, one, never once preached or talked about money. I never talked about it. I had all these crazy ideas, well, all people think is the church wants your money, so I'm just never going to talk about money. And then one day, praise God, <laughs> I got a revelation. This is what the Lord, the Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, Keith, you are robbing and you are cursing your people because you're not teaching them how to prosper financially. You're robbing, you, Keith, are robbing and cursing your people because I've called you to teach the whole counsel of God, and there's a whole element right here you're not even talking about. You're not talking about money, but guess what? Every person in this room, you know what you think about every single day? Money. Every day you think about money. Every day. Oh, no, I don't. Yeah, every time you pull your wallet out. Every time you swipe the debit card. Every time you write the check. Every time you check your online statement. You're thinking about money. And Keith, God said, Keith, you're robbing and cursing your people that I've entrusted to your care because you're not teaching them how to prosper financially. Last year, this month, June a year ago, I stood up here on this stage and I announced that we were going to launch a new campus in Holly Pond and I asked you, to partner with me and for us to give $130,000 above our normal ties to plant this new campus. I'm just telling you something, 20 years ago, I would have never asked you for that. I would have been embarrassed and ashamed that I'm going to ask people for money. I'm just going to tell you right now, I am so excited that I believe in what God has called us to do at Liberty Church. When I ask for money, I'm not going to apologize to you. When I ask for a commitment and I ask for a sacrifice, I ask you to show up early and stay late. I'm not going to apologize to you. Why? Because I believe in what we're doing. I believe souls are being saved, lives are being changed, people's eternities are being transformed by the power of the gospel. And if it requires sacrifice and commitment, then so be it, and I'm not going to apologize. Because when you know the why, there's a boldness that says, I don't have to apologize for doing what I believe in and know that God has called us to do. Let me give you our one last point. We're going to wrap up with this. 
The why creates buy-in. It's not enough to agree with what and how. We have to believe in the why. The why creates buy-in. You have to believe in the why. It's not enough to agree with the what and the how. 2011, the tornadoes came through Arab and struck Alabama. And it was in 2011 that God kind of took Liberty Church out of, the, out of the background and put us into the spotlight of our city. And for the first time, because of the tornado and the devastation in our community, the things that we had already been doing now became seen by our community as we stepped up to continue to do what we had been doing. We didn't start doing anything new that year. We had been doing it from day one. But all of a sudden, for the first time, our community began to see what we were doing. And for months, I mean, it's been eight years ago, I still have people come up to me and thank me for what we did during the tornado and helping people and doing the things we do. But for literally for months after the tornado, I mean, I couldn't go anywhere in Arab without people just saying, man, thank you for what you're doing. Y'all got a great church. Y'all are making a difference. Y'all are doing this awesome work. It's amazing what you're doing. It's astounding what y'all are doing. Thank you for what you're doing. Y'all got a great church. You got an awesome church. And I remember one day I went to the office and I was talking to Brother Curtis and I said, Curtis, I said, I don't understand something. He said, what do you not understand? I said, I don't understand how all these people think we're the greatest church in Arab, but they don't come to our church. I mean, if I thought that church was the greatest church, then that'd be the church I'd want to go to. And you're right, you get it. That's why you're here. And it was at that moment I began to recognize something. I began to recognize it's not enough for people to agree with what you do or how you do it. That's good. Praise God. And let me just say, I want to pause real quick, and I want to say this. I believe every church has a unique DNA. We're all living for the big why, but God breaks that little why down specifically for every local church. And so what we do and why we do what we do is a little different than what other churches do and why they do it. And here's the, here's the reality. It's different. It's not right or it's not wrong. Other churches aren't wrong, and we aren't right because we do what we do. We're just different because we've got a different DNA. But this is what the Lord showed me through that. He said, Keith, there are going to be a lot of people that agree with what you do. But it's only those that believe in why you do it that will ever be a part of Liberty Church. Only those who believe. And I want you to look at that last point on your outline there. We will never be sold out until we buy in. Matthew 13, I love Jesus, right? He's so smart. <laughs> and again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for joy over it goes and sells all that he has, sells all that he has, sells all that he has, and buys the field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who, when he found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and sold all that he had, and sold all that he had, and he bought it. So you'll never sell out until you buy in. You'll never sell out until you buy in. And this is how you know you found your why. You know you found your why when you stop asking, what's it going to pay me? <laughs> and you start realizing that it's going to cost you everything. I can't tell you in 20 years how many people come to me and they've had this great vision and God, I'm, uh, Pastor Keith, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And then they say, so what are you going to pay me to do that? 
Nothing. Because <laughs> if you won't give up everything to do it, we can never pay you enough money to do it well anyway. If you won't give up everything to do what God's called you to do, we could never pay you enough money to do it well. Never could. Not enough money in the world to do it. So you know you found your why when you stop asking what does it pay and you start realizing that it's going to cost you everything and you're glad at least most days to pay the price. I want you to just bow your heads today with me. Maybe you're here today and maybe you don't have a clear vision of God's vision for your personal life, but maybe today you're beginning to see God's vision for this church. And I believe you're here because you believe in the why. I want to I challenge you in this. If you'll buy into the why of God for the church, I believe God will reveal the why for your personal life. And you'll find out they connect. So God, today I pray that you would do that in all of our hearts this morning. I pray that there would be a clarity of the why. God, first and foremost, let us buy into your vision for the local church. And Lord, if this is not the church for us, then Lord, help us find that church. But God, if we're here today and this is the place you've called us, then Lord, let us buy in and let us sell out. And stop asking about what it's going to pay and start realizing that we're willing to pay and give everything to what you've called us to do. Because we believe what you've called us to do is more important than anything. So God, as we buy in and we sell out, God, give us clarity to our own vision, your vision for our lives, and join them together in one heart and one mind. And we ask it today, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.